You hear all the bull about diet and exercise. Carbs are evil. Do more cardio. Never eat bread or cookies again. Just do a juice cleanse. We get it. We fell for all of the BS too. It's time to go right to the source with the truth about how to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. I am Liz. And I'm Becca. We are your nutrition educators, and this is The Food Code. Welcome back to The Food Code. Today we are talking about kind of a controversial topic, I would say, in like the health world. Um, Organic and not organic. Does it matter? What does it matter for? How is it going to impact your health? Um, You know, and I... I joke sometimes we talk to a lot of people and they're like, well, I buy organic. And I'm like, okay, are you buying organic cereal or are you buying organic vegetables? Like there's a big difference here. And that's kind of going to be the bottom line of this podcast is like, you know, I would much rather you have non-organic eggs than organic cereal. That's, you know, let's get real about, you know, what our choices are. Um, I think that buying organic sometimes makes people feel like they're doing something Mm -hmm. helpful for their health. Um, But we're going to get down to what the research says, because that's what we do. We talk about the research. Um, We're going to break down because I think it's confusing, too. There's I mean, let's be honest, like cage free, free range, pasteurized. Like there's so many different variations. So we're going to talk about three main things, produce, eggs and meat and dairy. Yep. Those are our three topics that we're going to talk about yeah. today. And I think we just want to caveat this by saying, like, don't be fooled by some of the labels that are out there. Just oh because gosh. they're, like, white and green or it says vegan or it says whatever, healthy, it's it's not necessarily any different mm-hmm. because you have to look at the ingredients, right? The ingredients that they're using might be a little bit higher, but I'm sorry to tell you, like, goldfish are pretty much goldfish. You might just get a little bit more nutrients from an organic goldfish. Yeah. And like you guys, Oreos are vegan. That can tell you like, and I, you know, I I love my clients. I had a client yesterday that we talked about sugar. We've talked about sugar in the past. Mm -hmm. It's been something that we've been working on and she tracked four vegan cookies. Mm -hmm. And so we addressed it and she's like, well, they're vegan. I'm like, there's still sugar. Yeah. Sugar is vegan guys. That's and So we, like Liz was saying, you got to be careful with the labels. Marketing is very good. At making you think you're eating healthy when you're eating some same old sugar. Just stamp a vegan or an organic label on it and it's healthy, right? Or a new package. (laughs) It's all what, you know. Yeah. So just don't be fooled. I think if you've listened to us long enough, you know that we are definitely very transparent about there's a lot of really good marketing out there, especially Mm -hmm. in the food industry. Because... You know, if if you like it and you think that it's healthy, most likely you're going to be continuing to buy it, right? Yep. Or you get it hooked on it or whatever. So um, let's talk a little bit about the different levels of organic because there's, a, a f- you know, some things that you guys need to understand between, you know, what is labeled as all natural versus what is organic. So if it's labeled as all natural, it must contain no artificial ingredients or added color. And it must be minimally processed, okay, according to the USDA. So minimal processing is defined as a food product that was processed in a way that does not fundamentally alter the product, okay? So for most things on the market, kind of depends upon what you're choosing, but, you know, that definition is arguably pretty vague and does not address food processing or manufacturing methods. I think that's very important, right? Like what are the techniques that they're utilizing um, and other chemicals Mm -hmm. that they are utilizing to 
manufacture this stuff. And that definition for natural tends to be a little bit more loose than that of organic, especially the phrase minimally processed, right? Because it generally doesn't require any type of certification. And I'm not really sure, you know, who's going to be going in and, you know, determining is this minimally processed? Is it medium processed? (laughs) Exactly. And that's the difference between that and organic. So definition of organic is stricter. For a food to be labeled organic, it must be produced through approved methods. And by general definition, organic foods have not been treated with synthetic pesticides or fertilizers, and animals raised organically are not given hormones or drugs to promote more rapid growth. Also, genetic, genetically modified organisms, so GMO, are not used on any organic farms. So organic producers and processors are also subject to rigorous announced and unannounced certification inspections by third-party inspectors to ensure that they're essentially producing and processing organic products in a manner that you and your family can trust. So a label can include the word organic if the product contains a minimum of 95% organic ingredients. So we're going to kind of talk about, like I said, the three main things that I think you know we need to discuss around organic, non-organic, and that's produce, so your fruits and vegetables, eggs, and then meat and dairy. And Liz and I will give kind of our two cents and our opinions on what we believe is essentially, you know, important when it comes down to it. Of course. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was listening to a another podcast by Dr. Chavez and he was kind of even talking on this topic about, you know, sustainability, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think that, you know, organic is kind of more sustainable, but the reality is it's not. No. Um, and, you know, he was kind of talking about what he tries to do. And actually, this is something that I try to do um, when it's available in season. I try to buy from the fresh farms around us, the local farms, right? Because, you know, they are maybe not certified organic, but I guarantee you that their products are going to be better and fresher because Mm -hmm. they're here. They're readily available. Maybe I can go there and pick it. That's one of the big parts that we're, yep, that's that's huge. What Liz is saying is that it actually doesn't matter so much whether it's organic or non-organic. What matters more about the nutrient availability is how long it's been since it was produced to when you're eating it. Yeah. So things that are like frozen, things that Mm -hmm. are, so you have to understand that sometimes you're not eating something that was picked a week ago, <laughs> especially right. if you're buying a banana in New York at, in wintertime. Yeah. Like, and and I, I kind of brought that up because we're going to be talking here about fruits and vegetables and a lot of people shy away from frozen fruits and totally. vegetables. But the reality is, is they're typically frozen at peak. Mm-hmm. So you might be getting more nutrients depending upon when it was picked to when it was frozen versus if you have, let's say, raspberries that have traveled across country for the last seven to 10 days to get to your table. Yep. You know, and so I think that's something that you kind of also have to keep in mind here. And so for me personally, just my personal value system is as much as I can buy from local farms, that's, you know, what we do. I've never partaken and I want to. Um, I've just been on a waiting list for quite a while. They have some like co-ops that you can do and kind of share things. Um, But unfortunately, I haven't been able to get into the one that's near us. Everything else is like an hour away. So, mm-hmm. but you know, we do, and I'll talk a little bit later about ButcherBox. We do order from there and um, I've used other, you know, forms of delivery services for fresh fruits and vegetables. So there's kind of two sides to the topic here, right? Some mainstream media and then some medical establishments seem very attached to the idea that organic produce is no healthier or safer than conventional produce. Okay. But there was a recent study published in the Journal of British Journal of Nutrition um, that was a meta-analysis covering 343 individual studies looking at the composition of crops and food. And the study found that the organic crops did have higher levels of certain antioxidants and that eating organic foods could boost a person's antioxidant intake up by 
40%. So that's the equivalent of what? Two portions of fruits or vegetables a day. Yeah. So here's the thing with antioxidants. I feel like this word gets kind of of thrown around Mm -hmm. a lot. Like, oh, this juice. I I drink wine because of the antioxidants, right? So like (laughs) antioxidants aren't necessarily essential nutrients, but they impact a lot when it comes to optimizing health. So they actually provide kind of like a gentle stress on the body. But instead of making us sick, which sometimes stress does, you know, with inflammation, they promote more adaptations that make us healthier and stronger. And some studies even show they extend lifespan. So a good example of this is broccoli sprouts. So broccoli sprouts is one of actually the best foods for liver detox. Um, And the reason is because they contain a mild oxidant. So it's called sulforaphane, which when it enters the blood kind of streams, triggers a protein called NRF2. So this protein is a master regulator of aging, and it activates over 200 genes within the body. And these include genes that produce antioxidants, enzymes to metabolism enzymes to metabolize toxins that was a lot of z's in, mm-hmm. in x's enzymes to metabolize toxins proteins to flush out heavy metals and factors that enhance tumor suppression kind of among other healthy promoting functions so sometimes scientists have even gone as far as suggesting that antioxidants are primarily responsible for the health benefit we get from eating plants so thus the finding that we may get 40 percent more antioxidants from eating organic produce is not insignificant and we also must you know, note obviously the pesticides and heavy metals that get kind of created with spraying certain produce with non-organic stuff. So this meta-analysis also showed lower levels of cadmium, which is a toxic, heavy metal, and lower pesticide residues. Percentage-wise, the cadmium and pesticide levels ranged from 48% to 400% lower in organic versus conventional. So remember, this is 343 studies that were covered. And so some of them showed 48% lower in organic. Some of them showed up to 400% lower in organic. So again, kind of depends on what you're getting it from, what processor you're getting it from. And the reason cadmium is notable is because it accumulates in the body and it's classified as a level one carcinogen. So carcinogens are another example of smoking. Um, tobacco is a carcinogen. Mm-hmm. So it essentially means it can de- can contribute to cancer development. Yeah. So that's why it's important to note that like, okay, with non-conventional or with conventional produce, non-organic, you can be getting much higher levels of this. And that's why if you cannot afford organic, always wash your vegetables. Yeah. Just get the veggie wash. I have a mm-hmm. veggie wash that I get off Amazon. You can get like a three pack for 10 bucks or yep. something. I use that. It works great. I always, you know, want to make sure that I'm washing Especially anything that's got that like waxy residue totally. on the outside, totally. right? Like your apples or and your... that you're eating the outside. Yes. And you're not peeling it. Yeah. yeah. But like bell peppers, I'm not, you know, peeling bell peppers or apples or things like that. So I always make sure that I wash it there. But as far as the nutrient content, kind of going back to what we briefly mentioned already, this is a bit trickier because what controls nutrient content isn't necessarily how they're grown, right? As we kind of talked about, it's more about how long they've been out of the ground and how long it takes for you to get it at your dinner table before you consume it. Okay. Because most of the produce um, sold at large supermarkets change. Like think about, you know, Walmart, Meyer, all of those big chains, they, they've grown hundreds, if not thousands of miles away. Think about like California, Florida, Mexico, right? Like where a lot of the fresh crops come from. And this is especially true if you're here, you know, in Chicago like us and you're trying to eat, um, you know, certain things that are not in season. Um, let's say like a banana in the middle of winter in Chicago, that's going to be, you know, sitting in a truck 
for let's say maybe two weeks before it even makes it to your table. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the other piece is like thinking about trying to eat more foods in season is one thing that yep. we definitely, you know, recommend because again, the problem is that the food starts to change as soon as it's harvested and its nutrient content begins to deteriorate. So one study um, compared the vitamin C content of supermarket broccoli in May, which was in season. And then again, in the fall shipped from another country. And the result was that the out of season broccoli had only half of the vitamin C from the in season broccoli. Crazy. It's crazy. So why not eat frozen yeah. broccoli, right? If it's frozen at peak mm-hmm. and it's not in season, absolutely. Maybe opt for your frozen veggies. And Liz and I, you know, this is something we do in Evolve in our one on one coaching program. We actually have an entire module around eating seasonally and lists of foods that are all seasonal. And you can Google this, guys. You can totally Google this. Like what lists are or what foods are in season in the fall. And you can look up, you know, usually types of squashes, all different, you know, different types of vegetables and fruits. And so you can kind of eat more seasonally. And usually it's a little bit cheaper to because you're getting it you know they're making it in larger amounts at that time Mm -hmm. so our recommendations essentially for produce are one eat in season as much as possible Um, obviously it certainly makes sense to eat organic but if you're interested in maximizing more the nutrient density of your food eating foods that are grown locally like Liz said consuming them as close to harvest as possible you know it means shopping for produce at farmer's markets and using a CSA or, you know, even better growing them in your backyard. So the other thing is using the clean 15 and the dirty dozen. So these are two lists that exist that are kind of identifying what are the cleanest and what are the dirtiest vegetables and fruits. Mm -hmm. So that if you want to buy organic, you pick things that are, you know, more considered like dirty um, to minimize the impact of that. For example, like the dirty dozen includes strawberries, spinach, kale, um, apples, grapes, peaches, pears, tomatoes, celery, celery is one of the worst, Mm -hmm. Um, potatoes, hot peppers, and then the clean 15 are things that you can consume that you don't need to buy organic. And a lot of them obviously have a shell to them. Avocados, pineapple, onions, papaya, sweet peas, asparagus, cauliflower, broccoli, cantaloupe. There's all different kinds. And you can Google these again. And Liz and I are happy to link these out um, in the show notes. But it helps you kind of minimize the cost by picking the things that really matter to buy organic. Like number one, I always buy organic strawberries. That's because Carson eats them all the time. That's one of like the only things I buy organic in terms of produce. (laughs) We buy all of our berries um, organic because we give them to Marcus. He can eat a whole thing of oh, blueberries if I let him. Totally. Carson calls them boobies. Boobies. Carson call, I I get I eat boobies and I'm like, "Oh, that's great to say in public. Thank you." <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I'm a little nervous for when Marcus starts talking. Uh, right now he's just continuing to try to say ball, but he he doesn't finish it. So he says, "Ball?" <laughs> I'm like okay and he like says it in that like high pitched way because he's trying to get the L yep. but he can't get the L yet so anyways all right oh, yeah. so let's move on here what about eggs and poultry so there's cage free free range organic pasture raised like all the things that you see and what is the difference between the 99 cents dozen eggs and the 699 there's a difference dozen eggs? there's a huge difference yep. um you know and for me even knowing like some of the research and everything I'm not gonna lie I still cringe a little when I spend $7 for a dozen eggs. Here's how I think about it. You get multiple meals out of that. For sure. And so think about like buying a packet of chicken. You're getting multiple meals for about $10. But then we cringe at buying a dozen eggs for $6. When in reality, like you're getting probably six meals out of that for sure you know well it depends if my husband's eating them because he's like four <laughs> or five and one but um no I, and you can totally tell the difference too so we'll kind of break these down and like the different types and what they mean but the best thing that i can tell you is if you get um 
like organic pasture raised from the store, you can totally see the difference in the color mm-hmm. of the yolk. They're almost more of like an orange rather yep. than yellow. Yep. And I taste the difference too. So totally. let's kind of talk through some of these. So cage-free, that's a term regulated by the USDA. It means that the egg comes from hens that simply, like they're not caged, right? Like it's cage-free. It's pretty simple. Um, they can freely roam around the building, barn, and enclosed area with unlimited access to food and fresh water during their production cycle. But they do not have access, you know, to the outdoors. So considering the conventional cage is eight and a half by 11, that's kind of like the size of a piece of paper. It seems like, you know, a better lifestyle, but there are definitely downsides. So according to All About Eggs by Rachel Gong, um, cage-free facilities have more hen-on-hen violence and a lower quality than facilities that use cages. Yep. So that's a small cage, dude. Very tiny, especially because sadly they're making these hens and chickens huge. Yeah. So that's, you know, they're overproducing with hormones. So free range is next. This is another USDA term. It means that eggs come from hens that have some sort of access to the outdoors. However, it doesn't mean the hens actually go outdoors or that the outdoor space is more than a small fenced in area. It simply implies that the door exists and that a farmer could at some point open it. So again, you guys, it makes it sound really good, but it might not actually be that great or that humane of a way for these hens to be living. So next up is pasture raised. It's not a term regulated by the USDA. However, if the carton says pasture raised and also includes stamps that say certified humane and or animal welfare approved, it means that each hen was given 108 square feet of outdoor space as well as barn space indoors. This is pretty much as close to the you know, EIEIO vibe that you get from dealing with the large scale egg producers. Um, So if you're looking for kind of supporting practices, keep a lookout for those labels, those certified humane and animal welfare approved. Those make it, you know, those are good indicators that this, this hen was raised humanely and that they are better produced. Yep. And then you can also look for local, right? I like to do that when I go to the grocery store. And local basically just means that they have to be located less than 400 miles from the processing facility or within the same state. Um, And for the eggs to be organic, the only stipulation is they must come from hens who are fed an organic diet. So the amount of space per hen, access to outdoors, neither one of those things are really specified or required. Um, Although many organic farmers, you know, do at least give their uh, hens free range. So when it comes to like the eggs that are labeled vegetarian fed, it is worth noting that chickens are actually omnivores, right? They love worms and bugs and larvae and other crawly, (laughs) creepy crawly things. Um, However, in the mass scale production sense, they're not necessarily doing, you know, whole 30. They're getting fed um, by, you know, animal byproducts. So like feather meal or chicken litter. So depending upon the context, vegetarian fed can actually be, you know, the lesser of two evils. Yep. So next up is hormone free. That means means that the hen wasn't administered hormones, which isn't particularly like commendable considering that hormones and steroids are already banned by the FDA. Um, No added antibiotics is another kind of funny term because very few hens are administered antibiotics and those that do end up being diverted from human consumption anyway. So if any type of hen is administered antibiotics, they wouldn't be produced for human consumption. So it's not really even saying anything when you say no added antibiotics. It's just a way for them to increase the prices. Marketing. Um, So given all this information, what should you buy, right? Like I said, carton stamped with the certified humane and animal welfare approved seal are good bets both of which are administered by third-party groups so it's people that have no you know like they're not benefiting essentially from that and so the fact that they're stamping those is important um because they're not you know it's unbiased and when it comes to brands some really good ones vital farms 
Family Homestead, Oliver's Organic, Happy Egg Company, Pete and Jerry's all have pretty good reputations, as well as Safeway's Cage-Free Eggs and Kirkland Organic Eggs at Costco. I got those this weekend. Yeah. Um, We usually get either the Kirkland ones, we get Happy Egg Company and Pete and Jerry's. My husband is a little bit biased. He likes the Happy Egg Company I get Vital Farms sometimes if they're on sale. Um, But yeah. So last up, red Uh, meat, pork and dairy. I'm pretty passionate about this one. I'm not going to lie. Pretty biased in... We'll, we'll break it down. Let's yeah. break it down. All right. So we get it. Grass fed. It's more expensive. Absolutely. But what you need to understand is that if the animals are being fed, you know, hormones and pesticides mm-hmm. and they're ingesting them, that is typically stored in the fats. And so for me, I always get grass fed, um, organic, you know, meat. And, yep. I, and I really don't like even, um, I want it to be even like grain fed or grass finished. Grass that's what finished, I'm looking yeah. for. Yeah, and that's that why Butcher word. Box is great. Butcher Box is fantastic. Yeah. Um, we're working on getting a, a link for the discount, but we haven't been approved yet. So we'll get there. But anyways, so we, we do recommend that if you buy organic grass fed pasture raised anything, it should be red meat and dairy products. Okay. Yep. Um, because the difference between grass fed and conventional like I mentioned, it lies in the fat. So several key differences exist. So first and foremost, grass-fed fat is higher in omega-3s than conventional fat. So this is, you know, the absolute amount isn't very high, but if you eat a significant amount of animal fat, as many primal people do, the omega-3s will add up. And we know that omega-3s are a good anti-inflammatory fats that we don't consume enough of. Yep. So grass-fed also contains more conjugated linoleic acid, CLA, we love acronyms, um, a natural trans fat form it formed in the rumens of animals like cows and lamb. So it's anti-carcinogenic and anti-inflammatory properties. So very important to have enough of this in your day. Um, grass-fed fat is also higher in steric acid, which is a cholesterol-neutral saturated fat. So if your blood lipids are se- uh, sensitive to saturated fat, even conventional researchers admit that steric acid, which converts to oleic acid in vivo, is neutral for and and kind of beneficial actually. So if you are a lot of people worry about this red meat i don't want to have high cholesterol right this is something we hear all the time it does not correlate some people yes do have more sensitive kind of lipids um to saturated fat but pick the right kinds of saturated fat there's a huge difference like we're talking about here yeah i won't eat red meat but i'll eat a bunch of processed foods exactly right exactly all right so grass-fed is also higher in vitamin e vitamin a and glutathione um, higher in antioxidants, which makes it more resistant to the oxidative damage during cooking. And then pasture-raised animals, you know, they're allowed to eat fresh grass, you know, wild uh, forage, herbs, all of those things that effectively produce antioxidant-infused meat with greater oxidative stability than animals raised on a concentrated feed. So yes, you are going to spend a little bit more. However, it is worth every penny. Yeah. And ox- essentially what that is, oxidative stress is inflammation. Yeah. So like when we have too much oxidative stress it's the cellular level that's creating stress and then it's chronic inflammation within the body so if you're buying high fat meat like roasts ribeyes ground beef other cuts bacon stuff like that absolutely go grass-fed and same with dairy this is something that i have since carson was born and started drinking milk and eating yogurt it is by far like i go out of my way i'll go to multiple stores to get because he drinks a good amount of milk each day Mm -hmm. i make sure that it's grass-fed i make sure that it's a good organic quality um because that's like liz was saying the omega-3 to omega-6s in our conventional diet we we consume so much omega-6 and it creates a pro-inflammatory situation within the body we need to balance that out and when these animals are consuming grass it is going to be a higher omega-3 content versus if they're consuming grain 
grain-fed, okay? So like I said, if you're buying high fat, especially definitely buy grass-fed, grass-finished if you can, and the evidence continues to mount in favor of organic and or pastured dairy. Not only is it higher in omega-3 fats and antioxidants, the amount present in organic pastured dairy is relevant to consumers. So it contains about 50% more omega-3 fats than conventional dairy, meaning it has a physiological impact. Like if you're eating a lot of dairy, maybe you're a kid or you're a pregnant lady trying to get adequate calcium, organic pastured dairy is very crucial. Yep. So, you know, we get a lot of questions. Do I have to buy organic? Do I have to, you know, wash all my fruits and vegetables? And what should I prioritize? Because a lot of people have this mis, you know, consumption that it um, is much more expensive to yeah. eat healthy, right? And there's a cost. I'm just going to say this and, you know, this is some hard truth. There's a cost to, you know, eating ramen noodles the same way that there's a cost to eating grass-fed. Yep. Right. I understand in certain times it's hard and we can't, you know, maybe afford to spend a lot of money on groceries, but you can eat healthy and you can prioritize, you know, buying organic meats or organic eggs and still do it under a hundred dollars a week. Mm-hmm. And the thing there is you're investing in your health because, mm-hmm. you know, if we continue to eat hamburger helper and all the processed foods, like I think about what I grew up on and like the macaroni and cheese and, you know, the, all the powdered dairy that went in you know as sauces and things like that there's a cost to that too yeah it may not be an immediate cost and i'm not talking about weight gain i'm talking about your health mm-hmm. right and your long-term health so not everything that you buy has to be organic grass-fed free range or local right um but there are many food items that you know you can get from the grocery store on a regular basis that you can just buy a little higher quality. Like we mentioned, buy the frozen vegetables. Mm-hmm. You don't have to buy any special brand or you buy, have to, you know, do organic frozen vegetables, but you can make some small changes to be able to prioritize some of this information so that you can get the most out of the foods that you are consuming in the safest way possible. Yeah. Like we said in the beginning, it's better to eat non-organic eggs than organic cereal for breakfast, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's better to have a dinner of conventionally raised beef and non-organic asparagus than a plate of organic pasta. So like if you're unable to buy the best quality meats and produce, it's a good idea to do your homework and figure out kind of which items are worth the splurge um, and which might be all right to spend less money on. And also consider too, like going out to eat. Like, I know no one's really going anywhere right now, but Nick and I order in one night a week. It's like our date night, Saturday night. We always order in. We spend at least 40 to $50 between the two of us. One meal. Yep. One meal between the two of us, 40 to $50. And could we pick somewhere cheaper like McDonald's? Totally. But like, we like to go to nicer, you know, taverns and support local businesses and stuff like that. But one meal, you guys, this is, I get our entire weeks of groceries for three people in a family. I cook nearly every meal except for that one meal on Saturday night and I have food for the entire week for less than 250 bucks every week. Yep. And it adds up too. whether or not you are, you know, ordering out and you're picking up, you know, a $20 dinner or a really fancy dinner. Like just think about your Starbucks stop. Think about (laughs) the Dunkin Donuts stop. I don't want to think about my Starbucks stop. (laughs) Let me have that. (laughs) But you know, like some, some people who are, you know, still going to the office or when you were in the office and you were ordering lunch out at Jimmy John's or Chipotle or whatever, all those 11, $12 tabs, all of those things add up. And oh, so yeah. if you eat out three meals a day, you're easily dropping 50, 60, if not more. And, you know, let's not even cover if you go for alcohol, or if you have dessert or an appetizer or anything like that. Um, and you're not getting the highest quality of foods because restaurants do not prioritize using, you know, olive oil and avocado oil and good, healthy 
omega fat omega-3 mm-hmm. fats right they're using canola oil and vegetable oil and a lot of saturated fats and so that's really important it's not just necessarily like that initial cost of the grocery bill like I mentioned before it's also the cost of your health down the line and so you know, we do recommend um, minimizing you know going out to eat picking the best choices that you can when you do go out to eat but really if you want to eat the highest quality of foods most of that should be done with cooking at home. Yep. So hope that helped clear up the organic, non-organic questions you guys have. And let us know if you have an idea. We'll, we'll link all the things out in the podcast notes. And I hope you guys make the best decisions for you. Have a great day. <laughs> Thank you all so much for being here. If you've enjoyed this podcast, the best thing that you could do for us as a gift to us would be to take a screenshot and share it on Instagram, tag us, share it on Facebook, whatever platform that you listen, or just tell a friend, invite a friend to listen to this podcast. Um, The more that you can kind of share with word of mouth, the more people that we can touch throughout the world. And leave us a five-star reading and review on iTunes as this helps us grow and reach others. So if you have any questions, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email and we will talk to you soon. Have a great day.